No, no, let me let me stop you. It hasn't been happening all year. We've been booed, yes. And every time something gets bad, fans are going to boo. And they have a right to do that. And welcome to another episode of the Turn Up For What podcast talking your Houston Texans straight from the Great British Isle, episode 153. We're here and I don't know if we've quite hit rock bottom yet, but Sunday was an incredibly low moment, unwatchable incomprehensible how bad this has got at this stage of the season but um to try and talk us through it. and if you are listening if you're still sticking with us then good on you um because it ain't been so easy but we've got got youtube's finest um mr 713 ruben gamis join us ruben Hayden. i'm doing good man thank you for having us back and if, if you are listening shout out to you because at this point you are the real fans man it is rough, right? You know, you talk about uh, rock bottom. I was at the game yesterday. We were booing the first offensive drive. The first three and out, the boos immediately came out. Yeah. The vibe wasn't there whatsoever at all. For every uh, for every fan, you saw two empty seats right next to him. It was a commander's home game, really. And it just goes to show that this season is just horrible, man. It's, you know, it sucks to come out here to even make videos about them because, you know, the culture is losing right now. And obviously you talked about rock bottom a lot. Um, and when would you hit it? Um, was it the day you traded Deshaun? Would it be the day you potentially played Deshaun at his new spot? Would it, you know, when would it be? Um, I think it's still got the potential to be, you know, that December 4th game against the Browns, but... Certainly, I think whatever happens for the rest of the season, I, I certainly came in to, to today when I was making some notes, Ruben, just to, I think really it's indisputable now. And a lot can change, and the league never fails to fascinate you how quickly things can change. Things you know can swing for you and against you in very, very quick succession. But I think the Texans right now are in a league of their own below every other team, and I don't think it's even close. No, it is it is that bad. You know, I'm a very optimistic person, right? That's how I want to live, you know, my life just in general. And I was looking forward to the progression of the second-year players, Mills, Collins, Brevin Jordan, Lopez Wallow, and then looking, you know, to see, you know, how much of these rookies stand out. And you could say from this young core that we have, it has regressed. And that was the only thing that we were looking for this season. We knew we weren't going to be successful at all. I was saying five to seven wins, but make those, you know, five to seven wins competitive. And when you see, you know, the quarterback position, when you see the other young talent regress and even this rookie class, it is rock bottom for me because it shows that this coaching staff has failed them. It shows that there's no type of accountability within this team. And, Man, I've been watching this team since I was a little kid. This hurts me on a personal level to see these, you know, just get their ass physically handed to them yesterday by the commanders. For me, it was rock bottom, man, as a, you know, as a lifetime fan. And hopefully it gets better. Yeah, and I think that's right. Because like this, as you said, this season was only ever going to be about young guys' progression, year two. And, and that's all it was. Yeah. Can Davis Mills show that he could potentially start in year three. Maybe you don't take a quarterback with, you know, like what's your first pick, but now you have to, right? I put a tweet out yesterday that he outplayed himself out of a starting role for the Houston Texans. I mean, with that being said, if they don't take a quarterback next year and they go Will Anderson or and Jalen Carter or like mix those two around, I wouldn't mind that whatsoever. But you have to have, you know, have an answer for the QB position, man. You know, and I was the biggest Davis Mills supporter, really. And now, I, you know, I have to eat crow and say that, you know, this guy is, it's not it. You know, you have negative one passing yards at the half. I think last week it was negative eight or negative 17. I'm, I'm not sure, but how are you going to evaluate your team when you're, you know, when you're passing offense is putting up that, you know, like that amount of numbers, the regression is there. You know, we gave him so much credit for regress and, you know, for progressing in his rookie season. I'm talking about Davis Smith's right. His last couple games at home, 10 touchdowns, one interception. You know, he had the quote unquote best deep ball out of any QBs. Right. And we haven't seen that this year. We've seen him get worse. 
We were so hyped for Pep Hamilton. I was calling him a potential head coach candidate for the future. He hasn't showed me anything. People are saying Tim Kelly is better. It's just been that bad, yeah. man, you know, <laughs> in terms of this coaching staff that you had faith in, right? Lovey Smith, you've been to a Super Bowl as a head coach, as a coordinator. And in his press conference yesterday, you know, that argument with the fan where he was like, make a change, make a change for what? You know, it's just frustrating to see, man. Yeah. And I'm sorry to go on a rant, no, bro. Yeah, but this is what this is for. I think this is probably everybody. You know, it's just frustrating to watch. Yeah. I think I think I, I've just become apathetic towards the whole thing, um, I think, this year more than any. And I think because I didn't expect much from Pep Allen. Um, because I'd watched his offense in the past, I didn't expect much from Davis Mills because I think there was clear circumstances of why he, he played well in those games. You know, Charger COVID call offs. You know, any good defense he played against, he, he didn't do well. Now, look, I didn't think he'd be this bad this year. <laughs> I didn't think he'd be good. I, I think he, I think he'd prove us that he couldn't. You know, I, I thought at best case there could be a question about whether he could be a starter. Um, I don't think there's any question about it now. I think it's it's so clearly sealed, and it was quite clearly sealed. And I think, you know, there's there's a lot of you know there's a lot of issues on it, and we'll we'll come back to some of those debates and stuff we picked up on definitely. But just you touched on the the Lovey's presser there. Um, I don't think it was that fractious. I don't think it was necessarily that confrontational. You know, when you go back, I remember B.O.B. at Pittsburgh when they blew the game. I think that was, that was when Adrian Foster was still there. So that would have been 2014. Um, and the team was, you know, relatively good at that point. You know, I remember, you know, that's not my job comment and it doesn't matter, Brian, yeah. you know, all these kind of stuff. I don't think it was that bad. And I think, I think it's a good thing as well, because I think, you know, it has to, I think tensions that are underlying with the media who are, a, who are, a, who are a, a channel by fans to get information back and forth and, and so forth. And that's how, you know, that's how the whole business is supported, you know, due to fan interest. But when things are that bad and you drive the fans away, there is no fan interest, you know, that, you know, that, that, that must rub off on people when you've got to do this as a job. I just do it as a hobby. I live, you know, on a different continent. I've watched this team for 10 years. And I don't think it's ever been as low as this in, in the last decade. Um, I don't think it's debatable, actually. You know, last season you kind of, you could write off, I think, but when you get into the third successive season of being, you know, abjectly terrible um, on so many levels and just a chronically flawed football team with very, very few talent, if any talent at all, um, we'll come on to that. Um, I think it's just, it's tough. So that I think the fact that it's, it's coming ahead is a good thing because it brings out the open. It makes it clear, you know, some people can, you know, delude themselves if they like and you know and you know you can call it positive you can call it negative you can call it whatever it is but I mean, the tapes out there this team's a bad football team doesn't have many players the young players you've picked aren't really good or certainly struggling within the conditions that they're in it's a tough ask for everybody coaching staff second rate to third rate you know all this stuff right? there's so many factors that are going against the positive or the, or the forward direction of progress for a football team and you get a position where you just can't win a game, and the scoreboard doesn't necessarily show the, dif the differential between the two teams. But every you know they've, they've, <laughs> they've done a miraculous job at keeping the, you know the record books when you look back on it. As actually these games have been you know not that far apart, but you know, they've not been in any of these games at all this year, probably apart from week one, um, and obviously the solitary one in Jacksonville, which was a bit of a funny game. Um, anyway, lots of turnovers, red zone interceptions, etc. So yeah, I think I think. Lovey was a good point of it bubbling up to the surface. What did you make of the whole thing? I think I thought it was a little bit overblown, but yeah, I mean, like I didn't think it was bad in terms of him snapping on him. I just think on account of what he said, it just shows that you know he knows this is a bad football team. You know, he uh, when the reporter asked like, "Why didn't you put your best product on the field?" and he was like, "Because I didn't feel like I had to." You know. You know, you're kind of like, well, why not, right? And then later, um, you know, uh, the reporter asked about making a change and then Lowe responded, like, well, make a change for what? So, you know, to me, like, you know, like that kind of shows us like, you know, you're okay with being this mediocre. You're okay with getting, you know, manhandled at home because you still have to evaluate the football team at the end of the day. And if you have a QB who's negative on passing yards at the half, how are you evaluating these wide receivers, right? Because as much, you know, grind that we want to give, you know, the offensive line, you know, like for not being that good, 
Sometimes Davis Mills is just not putting the ball in the right spots, overthrowing the 6-4. Nico Collins are underthrowing him. You know, I think now you need to start evaluating the team and who's worthy enough, I mean, worthy enough, right, you know, to be here for the next season and whether that's throwing Kyle Allen out mm-hmm. there. I don't even know, but, you know, you need to make a change at this point. Yeah, I think it's, and again, it just goes back to that point where it's so intertwined and deep-rooted because, like, you sign, like, guys like Eno, Eno Benjamin, um, you sign, you know, pick up a Mary Rogers on waiver wire, and yeah, these are the pos- these are the kind of moves you want to be making. You want to be kicking the tires or as many guys as possible using that first overall or first pick um, of the waiver wire at this stage um, to do that. Um, but you, I've got no confidence in this offensive coaching staff incorporating these players. You had uh, Tyron Johnson, you had the other Johnsons. It, forgot his first name now, from Tampa Bay. Um, that was the, the guy from Minnesota, former fifth-round pick. Neither of those guys were um, you know, included in the offense. Cut, let go, um, and you never really saw much packages for them, if any. Um, they were out there potentially running. You know, I think I think both of them rotated in a lot on running downs, and that, and that's, you know, you're not going to see what you know what they potentially got in Tyron, in Tyron who was here before. Um you know, let go a number of times. It's the third time he's been released by his team, so doubt you'll want to come back unless he has no choice. Uh, then it's just, you know, I've got no faith that Pep and the system and how boring it is to watch. And he's, like you said, you know, I think there's a legitimate argument that despite that system um, from the, you know, Bill O'Brien, hand me down to Tim Kelly, was hellishly frustrated at times, it wasn't as bad as this. And I think then you've got... Mills, who's just not playing well, as you said, landing balls up the up the sideline, hitting the paint, not even a chance for the receiver to come down with it. I think, you know, I, I just don't see how we're going to move forward with, you know, because I don't think that anybody can question at this stage, is Mills play good enough to be still the start? Absolutely not. It just cannot be the case. So do you go to Kyle Allen? Does that give you a better chance to get a look at some of these guys? Maybe. I don't know. Um but it's it's just a it's just a kind of sorry, sorry mix of of a terrible, you know, collection of lack of talent, limited coaching staff, inability to change, inability to script plays. The fact you go three and out two weeks in a row, three times in two games, it's just, it, it just you just can't, that cannot be accepted. And I think probably the overall point is, Ruben, and there's been lots of kind of stuff about, you know, that with the last two coaches on Caserian, we'll come on to him because I think he's not in the crosshairs enough right now. But how long do you think ownership continues to accept this because ultimately right this doesn't really matter what you and I think it doesn't really matter what you know a lot of people kind of have their opinion on this ultimately this is a business it needs income and if the stands are empty I know a lot of these seats are filled but you know the, the game day income will be down you know merchandise beers food sales all that kind of stuff it all takes a hit with this kind of stuff where do you think this leaves ownership do you think you know how much how much more of this will they stomach look um I definitely think maybe this offseason we see like a little bit more pressure. You know, maybe we might see like, uh, you know, like Lovey Smith has a, another one and done coach for us. But at this point, you haven't been successful in a number of years now. You have to start winning football games. This isn't the legacy that late Bob McNair left, right? He was a guy who demanded, you know, a winning football team. We haven't seen that since. It does look like Cow is caring now, right? He was grilling burgers for us like not too long ago. And I'm pretty sure he sees the product now and knows like no one is believing in this Houston Texans team, not even the fans, right? And 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 Houston Texans fans are one of the most loyal out there. And the fact that no one is at the game, you're getting booed instantly as soon as this offense goes threes and out. It's telling. I really hope that they, you know, that he puts pressure to find another head coach. Look at the head coaches that we let go. Brian Dabo is being very successful right now. Robert Sala is being very successful right now. Jonathan Gannon, you know, is having the Philadelphia Eagles offense, right? You know, I definitely wanted him. But we chose not to, you know, make a decision quick. And we held our tongue and we held our hands under our eyes. And now we're in this situation of a one and eight and one football team. And you kind of have to make that, you know, decision. I don't think this city could take another losing season like this because you're not, not even competitive at this point. You're getting outplayed, outcoached, outmanhandled every single game. Yeah, and I think that's it, isn't it? Because like there's only so many holes that you can attack every offseason. 
the money or the effective cap space that you'll have will be limited this year because, like, there's there's just not a huge amount of space. We're not gonna, you know, we're not gonna be sitting with sixty million going into free agency by the time you assign a proportion for your draft class. You know, your futures contracts and all that kind of stuff. You know, it all adds up and it, it swallows that number up. You know, it's we've got a low number of players under contract this year so you know I think it keeps saying people think we're going to be spending or think we're going to have a lot of money but actually by the time it comes to we're going to have no carryover because we've spanked money on terrible players again this year and for a predetermined result I would have suggested prior to signing a lot of these guys back so you know we've spent a lot of money on these these last two years on these like middle of the road free agents on these culture mediocre guys D-level players Brandon Cooks He quits. You bring back Kamir Gruger Hill. He quits on you. Ask us for his release, right? You bring back Kirksey. He hasn't really done nothing all season. These culture guys that you brought in are either quitting or are not playing well enough to earn that money. So it's like, what is going on here? And I don't want to question Nick Casario, you know, right now, but. Yeah. I am starting to have some. Well, right? I think I, we should, no, I think it's a good debate, Ruben. Honestly, I do. Okay. It. I think. I think it's. Well, what, yeah, we'll get. What, what are your big questions for Casario? We'll take for So, like the biggest question, right? Going back to these culture guys, Justin Britt was a culture guy, and it only took one game from us to understand that he should not be playing in the NFL. You haven't found a backup running back for Damian Pierce, right? You keep on. You know, using Rex Burkhead, why? There's no reason why he should be on this team. Um, but this is another culture guy that you, you know, that you brought back to help this young team. These culture guys are not good, man. And, you know, they're only hurting you because you are giving them money. And they're veterans, right? They're not young, right? They're not 24, 25. They're under 27, 28, and 29s, you know. And it's like these guys that you brought in to help the team, They've either quit or just, you know, just suck, you know, or they just suck to where none of these young guys are going to pay attention to them. You know, like, am I going to listen to Carmen Vujie Hill coach me? Absolutely not. Am I going to listen to Brandon Cooks coach me after he quit on me? Absolutely not. You know, and then for Lovey Smith, there's no accountability. Have we once heard him, you know, say my quarterback needs to play better? I need a coach better. We haven't heard that whatsoever at all, and it's kind of frustrating. I think with Lovey and his media availability today, as a Monday we're recording right now, he did. You know, he did say, you know, like ultimately, it's you got to coach better, uh, you got to get the players to play better. But he also recognised and acknowledged the lack of talent, and I think there is an element of that. And that, but as I said, that's only going to change so quickly. And we'll come back to Casario very quickly, but um, I think that. The point for me is that there's only so many holes, there's only so many draft picks you can have, there's only so many rookies you can play at one time, there's only so much you can spend on free agency, there's only so many times you're going to get right at free agency, which Casario's not done, and I think that's the biggest criticism, free agency's just not been there, cap management not been there, and those two things go hand in hand. But I think, I don't think he's got a choice after the way this team's played at times to, well... If he wants to get better, I think we have to move on from this coaching staff on both sides of the ball, um, or certainly hire you know new coordinators and some new position coaches and have a reasonably you know forty percent plus overhaul of the coaching staff because ultimately, are we getting everything out of the coaches? Are the coaches getting everything out of those guys of the limited talent we have? The answer and definitely no. I don't think anybody can dispute that, um, and it's going to take time. Um, to get there, so I I, I I don't know who the best candidate is. I generally have no clue. Uh, you need to find the best leader um, of men on the other side, on both sides of the ball, um, to go and you know bring in a scheme that's more interesting than what we're watching. Um, and I think that's the thing. I love his schemes outdated. Pep's shown you know his ceiling as a play caller. I think you know Lovey's shown his ceiling. He's a defensive coordinator at best. Um, and I would argue, Ruben, I would say, based on everything to date, from the botching of the Cooks potential trade, because you could have got a second, I think you'll regret that, for the management of the cap, for the lack of free agency signings, or the or the, the choice of the allocation of your resources into free agency, waste of money on, you know, second, third rate guys, at best. I think Casario's, you know, potentially, you know, on the hook there this season. He's going to have to, he's going to have to make significant changes um, to show that he's he's going to 
change the direction of the team because I think his input, okay, you know, everybody's so quick to make excuses and give the context and all that kind of stuff. And that's great. But it, but ultimately, you know, and I, I asked somebody this room and I'll ask you, could you name one part of this team that has definitively moved from A to B that Casario's improved since he's been here? I mean, no, not really. You know, I mean, if I you think want that to says it all for two years, if the, if, the, if the answer is no, if there's no clear answer to that, then I, 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 yeah, there's I think, not a, yeah, you know, he's got to be on his last stand, answer. you know? Yeah, no. So, I mean, I guess I'll say it now. I was going to drop a video and say that for me next year, this is the hot seat for Nick Casario. You know, you've now had two drafts to prove that you're going to put us on the right track. And if you have the number one overall pick and you have another potentially top five, top 10 pick, you can't mess it up. You have to select the right yeah. coach and you need to at least be competitive next offseason, right? You also have, I think, about a hundred million dollars worth of cap, you know, like to mess with. See, that, see that, that's the fallacy. I think somebody put that out there and that's not true. I think it's like it's, we've got 40 odd million but less than we've got less than forty players on the books for that number, so you know there's going to have to be a lot of movement um, on it. But if I was to ask you, if the number one overall pick or the second overall pick looks like you know a less brutal version of how Kenyon Green's performed with the fifteenth overall pick, put the coaching staff to aside one minute. If that's the case. And that number one pick isn't from day one, you know, or or by you know midpoint of the season or half just over halfway through the point of the season. If that high pick isn't looking like a game changer for you every week, or at least has the potential to do, do you think you still got a job? You know, someone like Kenyon Green, I guess, because he's still very young. Um, you know, Lerman Tunsil did have a not so good rookie season. You know, we. Uh, Kenyon Green isn't, you know, making himself like he's not doing himself any favors. He's like horrible as of, you know, like the past couple of weeks. But at this point, you know, like you have to start demanding something from your players. So next year, hope you know, hopefully like that's another conversation yeah. to have if he does. So like if, if, know, that like, picks, if that pick is like similarly ineffective on a lesser scale, say the first, you know, first overall picks the most valuable asset you can have 15th overall pick. Pretty good. Um if that first overall pick is, you know, struggling in the same way, maybe not to the same brutal degrees he did yesterday or the last four weeks, but I think Casario's, you know, is I think there's got to be questions about his job because ultimately, even no, even if even if he got all these picks and hit with every single one, I would argue that's probably still not enough to make as a competitive football team. So, like, I think you know the fact that he's not hitting on them, I think compounds the focus on him. Yeah, no, like 100%, right? You look at his, like, from, you know, from his first draft class, Davis Mills has gotten worse. Nico Collins, you could say there is something there. Um, Brevin Jordan, we haven't seen him on season. Gary Wallow hasn't done enough to get any PT. Lopez was grassed. And even this year, right, from um, Jalen Petrie, had a horrible game last week. Uh, I do think that not only does he need to have a solid, you know, draft, he also needs to bring in solid, you know, players during free agency, you know, with that 44 mil, as long with the right coaching staff, right? Because he hasn't done nothing good so far. And it sucks to say that, you know, going into year three, you know, with Nick Casario, but this is your second head coach. And you once again are flirting with winning less than five games in the season. Yeah, and I think that's that's the trouble, isn't it? Because it's like they're definitely not going to win five. Definitely not going to win four. I'd be absolutely shocked if they won two games. You know, you can always win a game here, but you know, I, I think I, I struggle not to see any route to them not having the first overall pick. I think we're in this kind of interesting spot where you've got the Panthers and the Steelers, both three and um, sorry, no, the big, yeah, the Bears and the Panthers are three and eight. Then you've got another batch of six teams, the Steelers, the Rams, the Raiders, the Jags, the Broncos, the Browns, all three and seven. I'm um, not a bye week yet. 
um, or sorry, yeah, another three wins. Or the other two wins haven't had a bye week yet, rather. So, like, it's it's one of those things. It's like we're we're in that position. I don't think we're good enough to to play our way out of the, that top pick. But I think when you have, man, I'll be so mad yeah. if Nick. Oh Stryker yeah, no, I think so. Happen. But I think it's almost it's almost like I think having that top pick in some ways puts Casario on in the crosshairs even more because. 100%. Depending on what you're going to do with that pick, you have to decide what you're going to do with your coaching staff. And if you're going to take a quarterback, then you can't keep this coaching staff because that's just not it's just not an option. Um, so if you just see you you know if you put the coaching staff to the side because that that'll sort itself out. And I think it will definitely be changed and and, and tried to improve. Um, but I think whatever he does with that pick, there's going to be so much focus on that based on the fact that you know you're not using Stingling the right to you know accentuate his strengths. Kenyon Green's certainly struggling and he was I think he was always going after missing so much time in training camp. So, you know, you start to when you're in year two of a three year suite of picks for the trade of a franchise quarterback, you know, things have got to start to look a lot rosier very quickly. But I think this first overall pick is 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 going to put him so much in the focus. And I think that I suppose there's there's two schools of thought, Ruben. Which one do you sit in? Do you think do you do you pass? Because there's, you know, unless you're absolutely hundred percent generational talent sold, um, and if not, I suppose well, there's C scenarios. So do you, do you pass it and and take a defensive player or the you know the best player available, uh, regardless of position, um, or do you? I mean, I think the ideal one for me is you trade back because even all these picks for Watson, you know, these three first round picks and a couple of change wasn't going to be enough to transform this team in the way it needs to be. So, you know, you, you I think. Potentially, Casario's hope is that he gets out of the top pick with a ransom to then give him a chance to draft players into this team. Um, but what what can I do? You, do you sit in the camp of build um, and wait, or do you, do you say if you're the guys there, take him? I mean, it's it's kind of hard not to say, you know, don't draft a QB next year, especially knowing that Caleb Williams is coming out next year. But I think with the way that, you know, that Davis Mills had played, you know, has played us a late this whole season, like you might have to take Bryce Young at number one overall. Um, you know, he just looks very good. Um, he's, you know, his arm is just above average. You know, he's able to move in the pocket. You know, the size is, uh, the, his size is a little bit of an issue. But if they traded back, like I wouldn't mind that whatsoever. Like you said, there's too many holes on this team for a quarterback just to fix, right? The offensive line itself has three holes. You need a center. You need a you need a a right guard. You need a right tackle. And I've seen this team with a good quarterback in a horrible you know surrounding cast. Right, that was Deshaun Watson. Remember when he you know acquired for I think it was seventy something percent of our offense by himself, and the terrain you know and the team surrounding was just garbage. I like the idea of trading back and you know getting a. Jalen Carter getting a Will Anderson and beefing up this defense and maybe taking a chance on a QB later. But I think at this point, if you're Nick Casario, I think you might be pressured to take Bryce number one overall with the recent, you know, success you haven't had. Yeah. No, and I think that's it. You know, to make comfortable ownership, I think, you know, you there's definitely plenty of people out there that have, are happy to, you know, state that the last two coaches were given to Nick Casario um, rather than him, you know, wholly picking them on their own merit or, you know, in the absence of a kind of PR storm crisis. So, yeah, I, I, I think the best, I think I think there's just so many holes. I, I to, to think this team's even going to be good in two years' time, I think it's a stretch right now how we sit today. And as I said, a lot can change and it changes quickly and it always surprises you how quickly it'll change. But I think there's just so, so many holes to fill and I, I think the trading back, you know, you almost want to do that two years in a row. I think that's how, how, uh, how you know, low this baseline talent is and our, our record shows, you know, your record shows what you are and I think, you know, we're, we're definitely, you know, miles away where we need to be in terms of, in terms of that sort of talent, you know, baseline level across the roster. Um, and then you've got, to, you've got to try and augment that with guys who can actually lead and but also be good football players at the same time. And I think we're really struggling with that. So I think Casario, you know, is he, is he in the firing line? Not yet, but I think he should be. And I don't know what it'll take to be. And I think people have, you know, I think he, he, was, the, he was the white knight when he to bring us out of this terrible thing, but he's certainly not been that. I don't think there's an objective argument beyond, uh, I hope his draft class works out. Because even his first draft class, 
you know, you got to remember he spent the most ever draft capital to trade up um, ever mm-hmm. in that round to get Nico Collins. So he spent from future years to get Nico, and he's the only, only one that looks serviceable as a long-term start. Brevin Jordan inactive, you know. And, and, and I think the fact is there is no point talking about Sunday's game. That's how bad things are right now. And if that's the th- if that if that is the case, the GM has to take some flack. It has to be, you know, oh, you know, you set, I, I can't under, well, I can't fathom a situation where he gets to hire a fourth coach. So if he's going to hire a third, is, is now the right time? You'd argue probably not. So you probably want to sit with Lovey and make some changes. But then, what do you do at quarterback? And I think that's the big, the big issue. And when you're, you know, not wholly endowed with a huge amount of cap space to try and bring a vet in is going to swallow up a big amount of that when you've got so many holes but it's not a long term issue so look nobody is making excuses for the, for the situation we find ourselves in there is so many problems um, and there's so many holes you know on every level but I just don't know how he fixes it and it, and it may be unfixable it may take a whole you know you know, three to four year cycle of just trying to get some parity and then you got to hit luck at that point and I, I, I don't know I mean how long do you think this feasibly takes and and what 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 would you what would your sort of two or three first steps be to to actually get this actually looking like progress because it's been regression all around this year realistically three to four years right if you tell me, you know, if Nick Casario goes out here and says Davis Mills is going to be our starting quarterback next year, the only way I am buying that is if you use that $44 million that we have that you let me know, not a million, and you sign some of the best, you know, offensive linemen out there, you know, young, they're 26, 27, because you get, you know, you can't go into next year with the same offensive line. Um, you you kind of have to force to make a coaching change at this point, like I said. So, and it sucks to say that because, like, I was a very good fan of Lovey at the very beginning of the season, you know, but the way we're losing these games and the way he's, you know, kind of handling himself, it, you know, you, you kind of have to make a change at this point. But if you're not going to take a quarterback at number one overall, then you got to vest around Davis Mills, and that's what we have to see. Then I could kind of buy into the, Okay, give him a three-year. That's 100% okay. He is still a young quarterback. I understand that the team all around him was horrible. I'll buy that. But you need to start investing into the team. Yeah. And I, th- I think the problem is, though, you've got kind of like two guys on the bookend who are probably your best part of the line. You're going to have to pay or trade one. You're not going to be able to keep both of them for, for more than two or three years just in terms of the value. That they're going to command, so like, like you, you know, you're potentially looking at more spots. You can invest in the offensive line, but really, I mean, when you're playing with three first round picks on the line, I don't know how much more you can feasibly invest. We're already paying, you know, the line as a whole and Tunsil's contracts huge. So, like, I, I don't know if the offensive line fixes it. I, I think you know, you do you want to build a strength. I do agree with that premise. You know, but you put strength on strength and and potentially, but ultimately, you know, the free agent class of interior guys, you know, this year does not look good. Just to clarify, before anybody misses, it's forty eight point one million is the space, but only thirty nine players um, under contract for next year. So you got to fill. Yeah, you them up, so you got so you got to fill that up to fifty one um, under the cap, as the rules say. That according that's according to overthecap.com. So so I think you know the. There are so many issues here, but so I mean, for me, I, I think you've just got to affect. I think that you know, for me, priority number one is just defend the run and get guys who can go and actually defend the run because it's, so that's just killed every game. And I think until we do oh, that, yeah. um, that guy who was uh, torches yesterday, the Aaron Payne, he's a free agent, you know, twenty five years old. Uh, yeah. I was looking at the tackles today. Uh, Hargrave, uh, the guy from the Eagles, number ninety-seven. Yeah. He is twenty. These young guys are going to get priced out, uh, priced out of our market. I Free think agent. that's the issue. So, will be there'll be more bargain basement shopping. I think, and that's the thing when you when you're shopping in these, you know, in the Goodwill store, uh, you might find a couple of you know Stephen Nelsons or Desmond Kings, but you know you. <laughs> You need ten of them, so I don't know where we're. I don't know where. I don't know how quickly it going to goes, and I'm sick of this shit. To be honest, Ruben, it's been tough this year. No, no, like it's sad to see, right? Because you're so used to the JJ Watt days, where, where you were excited about Sundays, right? You knew that this that this defense was going to give it it all, that this crowd was going to give it its all, and just to see the slippery slope from being 24 up on the Super Bowl champs. 
you know, it's been absolutely crazy, you know, like I hope there's a 30-30, you know, like about this down the line about the collapse of the Houston Texans of what could have been. But, you know, to me, this is rock bottom, right? Because when you had Deshaun Watson, it wasn't a matter of if he was going to win you a Super Bowl. It was a matter of when. And to go from that, all the drama going around, you know, you know, Bill O'Brien basically being God at NRG, you know, just normal stuff that people wouldn't do. The Houston Texans were doing, you know, outsmarting themselves. And you are what you are now. You're one eight and one football team, probably the worst team in the NFL. And you're going into the offseason, like we both discussed, needing damn near everything. Yeah, listen. I think I think you just got. I think they've just got to shore up both the lines. I think defend the run, keep us you know solid level of pat you know pass pass protection you know and hope that you can you can find enough guys on you know key positions. But I think you know it's, it's just there's so. I think when you when we when you look at the 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 path forward of young guys when you had Stingley injured yesterday, I don't think there's any huge concerns about him. But you're certainly not going to get the best out in the system. He's your number one asset. You potentially take another number one asset as a quarterback, and this system's not right for for either of those guys. So when you think of that, way, you think, well, actually, you, you're probably going to have to just, you know, ride the storm out if you're if you're concerned about negative PR and change the coaching staff because ultimately, it's not going to show progress. And I think you know when it goes back to that business point of view, is a progress is Casario's only way he can show progress um, in a quicker manner than just drafting players and put them in a bad situation. Can you draft? players and put them in a better situation so therefore you know is that the best way to, pro- to show a plan to progress because I don't know what the plan is I've never known that's my biggest criticism because I don't know what his plan is um, so no one knows. well that's it and I think and I don't think he knows at times because I think there's been so much firefighting going on I think it's just been keeping the head above water so you know I think they, they do have to get a new coaching staff to get it credible because you can't run Mills back I, I, I don't think I could watch it again for another year um, you know, we, it's horrible. yeah, we can't. You can make all the excuses, him. You can say you can build around them, but that would just be so flawed. He's, he's proven he's not good enough. You best, you know, you'd be better bringing Tyrod Taylor back, or you know, somebody, you know, a journeyman and backup type that, you know, of that ilk that um, that, that would help. Now, you, you know, and people will make excuses for Casario, they make excuses for Mills, but it's only because your only hope. It's you know, it's um, it's when people, you know, Stockholm syndrome or whatever, you know, people fall in love with the, their kidnappers, but that's only because that's all they've got and. Uh, Unfortunately, that's, no, all, that's all we've had. have to have accountability. Well, that's it. Accountability is the big thing, Ruben. I think you're right. And I think we need to find ways in which we get accountable and actually, you know, because that was what Cal said, you know, there's pressure to perform in this organisation. It certainly doesn't look like it and you, unless you make some sweeping like changes. Either, but would you, would you accept a situation with a new defensive play caller, a new offensive play caller, and a veteran QB and just going heavy in the draft? Would that be progress for people enough to... To not be booing after three and out, not for nobody to turn up. Would that be enough this offseason? I mean, to the fans that understand the process, absolutely for me, that would be enough, right? That shows that you yet are trying to be competitive, but are trying to build, you know, you know, the team around it. We knew, you know, the veteran quarterback that we bring in, we know he's a placeholder, right? The thing about Mills is there was, you know, hope and potential that he could be a long-term starter. And he just hasn't showed that at all this season, right? But if I see a new OC, a new DC, and a you know, and a veteran QB brought in, I would actually be excited about it. You know, not sure if the casual fans would, but I actually would. Um, not knowing who you know that veteran QB is, but it shows that they're trying to make a change, right? You obviously get two new coordinators, and that you are demanding a certain level of play from the QB position. Because, you know, I haven't seen that type of, like I said, I go back to the word accountability at all from this coaching staff or this QB at all. You know, we used to hear Matt Schaub after every pick, you know, pick six say, I played like shit. I need to play better. I need to do this. I need to do that. And you haven't seen that. Yeah. And I think that that I think we'll know at some point is offseason if they, if they still keep some of the coaching staff. Um, then I think that potentially rules out QB because I just can't see them keeping the coach staff plus a QB because you're just heading for more disaster and then not only are you not building you've potentially you know wasted those picks but I mean I suppose that's what's going to make the off-season interesting 
but it's, it's just a shame that the, the team's not competitive enough to make the actual season. The whole point you draft, the whole point of it all is to win football games. We're just so far away from that right now, and I think it's 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 tough. But I think if I was to bet on a likely outcome of changing some of the coaching staff, you know, potentially overlooking a QB, ideally trading back, um, and building the rest of the roster, I think that's the most plausible and most sensible outcome and I think of a team that's not had any stability it's potentially your closest option that looks like stability but certainly you know when you're still you know but, but that option potentially puts you in a four or five win uh, scenario and then that might put you you know having the free pick of you know of any player which the number one slot which looks for all intents and purposes look like that's going to be the case this year so it's such a fine balance there's so many variables but um I'm, I'm, I hope Casario can turn it around. I've been desperately want to be convinced by him, but I think right up to this point, I think he deserves just as much criticism as everybody else that's on, on this uh, rudderless ship at times, certainly this season, it's looked like that. Oh, yeah, 100%. I mean, they're going to tank for Caleb Williams and let me know, and I'm all on board yeah, right now. And I think he's he's got a good, you know, an it factor, I think, about him when you watch him play. I think Cade Mays from... North Carolina, I know he didn't play as well the weekend past there and they lost, but I think, you know, there's there's guys like that in the draft that, you know, there's always next year. I think there's always that kind of that sort of fallacy, isn't it? It's like, oh, the QB class is better next year. But you don't know because, you, you know, you, you have names and then a year out, they play another full season in college and then all of a sudden, you know, they disappear. A lot can change. There's names that come out of the blue, you know, like Joe Burrow, etc. So, you know, there's, there's so many examples of how quickly it could change. So I don't think you can ever evaluate one class on the basis of the next class may or may not give you something. I think you're just going to take it in its entirety. What's the best player for us? And, you know, it would be great to get a quarterback that can play because it just would make it worth watching. Um, and you could maybe piece together a squad that you could you could put around them and then it's just build, build, build after that first season. Um, you know, because you can have flawed, deeply flawed teams like the Bengals last year went all the way to the Super Bowl, you know, on the back of a good quarterback that could play and they just went empty set and five wide and just threw it around and they, they, it was just yeah, enough to beat a lot of teams and it was good to watch, you know, and I think that's the key. You want this to mean something um, and it just doesn't mean something and if you are to go the safe kind of build route, it's probably the right thing to do but it just sort of potentially... You know, puts a fourth season in a row of a team that's not going to be all that competitive, um, which is tough to take. And it, and I keep going back to that business viewpoint of how much will ownership accept that? And if they blow up, I I said this on Twitter to somebody today, Ruben. Um, would you would you be shocked? Not necessarily shocked, but would you would you shed a tear if Casario was fired as well this off season? I don't think he will be, but it, uh, I think he should be. But I don't think this organisation necessarily does what what they should do, um, because I. But if that happened, would you would you be too concerned? I mean, I wouldn't be too concerned. Uh, would I be shocked? Absolutely, you know, because the way he was hired was just absolutely crazy, right? But if he was fired, you know. I wouldn't be shocked, but who was the next guy and well, who was going to be yeah. in charge of leading the hiring process for that yeah. guy, right? Are you going to bring in Andre Johnson? That's what saves his who job, is, isn't it? Like, like, that is generally what yeah. saves his job, is the, is the poor ownership in it. And I think if that's the reason what saves his job, not his own job performance, that's where the deep-rooted issues are, you know, for the foundations. As, as Whitney Marshall said when he went to Green Bay, there's problems right up to the tippy-top, and I think that's... that. Probably sub the whole fucking thing up at some point, isn't it? Really, because I think, but yeah, would you, you know, but what do you, what, what do you think he has to do this off season that he hasn't done to to give people a sense of hope and progress? I think first you need to hire a competent head coach, one where we feel like, yes, this guy can give us some wins, right? It wasn't David Cully, it wasn't Lovey Smith. You know, you need to go after a name where the fans would go behind and believe that this guy can potentially put us on the right track to win football games, whether that's D'Amico Ryans, uh, whether it's Jonathan Gannon. But you need to make, I think, the right hire at head coach and one where fans would understand and be excited for. And then, you know, let's say in free agency, you fix keyholes when, you know, with the amount of money that you have and then, and then just depending on the draft, man, like I said, like 
I do feel like maybe Nick Casario might be forced to take a quarterback number one overall. And but that's the beauty of having two first round picks. So it's going to be interesting to see. But I think the first thing you got to do is get a head coach that everyone is very excited about. Yeah. And just be committed to winning. I, my fear is that they're just not in a position to attract a head coach that would do exactly what you're saying. And I think that's that's my fear. Um, and why why I think, you know, the, the build and the and the overlooking the potential quarterbacks. Um you know, but I think they haven't drafted for Lovey, so you know, you could potentially keep him around and draft one as a hybrid situation, but I I just don't see it. It just wouldn't certainly fill me with, with potential hope. I think you've got to start clean as you know, as many times as you can have to. Yeah, and I, I just don't know if they will, and I I, I generally don't because I know you know if 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 Lovey was forced upon Nick, then it's not Nick's decision. And when he goes holy, he can certainly recommend it, um, like he did last off season. But it just goes back to the point again that you're just waiting for all these games to be done, and then it'll be interesting this off season. But yeah, it's a shame we're talking about this kind of stuff at this stage of the season. But um. Miami, I assume you, you're in, it's a foregone conclusion. Do you think this could be the first blowout of the season? Yeah, I think this is the game that it's going to end the Davis Mills agenda. Um, you know, you're going to go into the December 4th Deshaun Watson game 1-9-1. And, and if you want to give any hope to the fans, you give them what they want. You try to make a change. You start Kyle Allen. And to me, like we said like right before we recorded this, Maybe the most important game for the Houston Texans, you know, a potentially, you know, game changing pick. We own their first round pick. They only have three wins on the season. We could, yeah. you know, help ourselves a little bit by winning. I just I just don't see any way we can beat them by with, you know, with a rushed attack. I think they don't even need to give it to Watson at all. They can just rush the rush the ball. Well, the, the crowd's going to be a huge factor for that game. If there was any you know, you know, type of home field advantage it will be at NRG. And, you know, you know, a lot of people, you know, dislike Deshaun. So that place is going to be, you know, you know, to be loud. And I think that is going to be the only driving force for this Houston Texans team. Yeah, no, potentially. Yeah, I mean, that's probably it's the only game worth watching for now until the end of the season. But, yeah, we got my Miami. Um this weekend, I think could potentially be a big blowout because of just the way their offense is built. And you know, if they can start running the ball as well as, as their explosive offense with, with Hill and, and Waddle, then I think it's going to be a, a tough watch, I think, for everybody again. Um, and yeah, it's a tough, tough situation to be in. But it is Thanksgiving, well, end on a positive note. It's Thanksgiving this week. Any uh, traditions, any plans, Ruben? No, you know, like I'm just gonna get uh with the fam, eat some ham, eat some turkey, drink a whole lot, and just you know, you know, just enjoy, you know, like being around family. Because at the end of the day, friends leave you, coworkers leave you, but family is there for you at the very end of the day. Um, I'm blessed to say I have a good, you know, group of friends and family. So I hope you do too as well. And I'm excited, man. I'm excited for the future. You know, like what are you doing for Thanksgiving? Yeah, well, it was not really celebrated over here. I, I I had my first one last year in, when I was in Houston last year. Uh, my, 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 I stayed with my friends. Um, his name was Ruben also. Um, shout out to, to them and their family. We did both sides of the family, so we had two Thanksgiving meals and everything last year, and then we watched the football, and like the Cowboys got beat from the Raiders last year when we were sitting watching that. So, yeah, it's a good day. Um I certainly appreciate it. Probably watch some games. I'm actually, I don't know if there'll be a podcast next week because I'm actually getting two teeth taken out um, this week. So hey. the dentist, so I may or may not be able to speak next week. I think that could be a good thing. And uh, it could arguably be as painful as watching the Texans on a Sunday. So, yeah, we'll see if we're back this week. Um, but I'll certainly be sitting, recovering on the couch. Definitely watch some Thanksgiving football, a couple of decent games. So, yeah, no, have a good one, man. Have a good one with the family. And, I suppose, you know, you can talk about the future. The future is the only thing that keeps you going because it's definitely, or certainly there's a hope that it's different from the here and now, and the here and now is not good enough. It's not good enough for this say. It's not good enough for these fans. It deserve a hell of a lot better. Um, but, you know, I think Nick's got this off-season to turn it around. I think there's got to be a lot more questions than, he has, than he's had to this point. Um, changes will have to happen if things are going to 
improve, but certainly I can't see improving this week. I did have a slight feeling, uh, Ruben, I don't know if you saw Lovey's press conference earlier, you know, he's, he's uh, Monday morning one. I kind of got this slight hint. I didn't see anybody reporting that way that there might be a little change. So we might see Kyle Allen, we might not. Um, I don't know. Um, I hope there's some form of change this week because there's only so many times you can defend the indefensible, I think. And I think that's the trouble for Lovey. I think he's kind of in a place where he kind of sounds like he's he's not wholly in tune with everything he needs to be. And I think that's potentially what could undermine him as a head coach and potentially see his departure. Yeah, no, let's say Kyle Allen goes into Miami, gets the start. Maybe we still lose, but their offense looks a little bit competitive, right? Because obviously it is a change. People are going to block better. People are going to run their routes better. It's going to be, you know, kind of interesting going into December 4th with NRG. But like I said, nonetheless, I am expecting a loss from one of the best well-coached teams in the NFL. But a change is needed. You know, it was definitely needed during the Washington Commanders game. When you were at negative one passing yard, I thought the change was going to be at half. I thought that would have been a good spot to put him in, you know, see how he does well with his offense. Maybe you, you know, make this game a little bit interesting and you work for Miami. But, I, I mean, I would say now make the change. Name Kyle Allen, your starting quarterback. And, you know, everyone's very excited to come into NRG with the new starting quarterback and a chance to, you know, make Deshaun Watson's day horrible. Yeah, well, I think that's that's the game that we'll be back for. Um, and hopefully it'll be a good crowd. Hopefully, you know, people can use the the uh, the venom or whatever you want to call it uh, from the stands to get a good performance, you know, in the next couple of weeks because it's going to be tough sledding. Um, but hopefully changes of foot might be some small ones now. Uh, you might see Eno Benjamin, you might see Amari Rogers. you might just see some small Hopefully. small things. Sting might be back. Um, Green might pull it together. Petrie might learn how to tackle with his arms and not drop clear interceptions. <laughs> small things. I don't think we're asking for much right now. Yeah, no, when I ask for money, just play competent football, man. Just look like you want to be there. Make the game a little bit interesting. Give us a reason to cheer. And... Let's see where we go from here. Yeah. There is nowhere to look but up for this Houston Texans franchise. So hopefully it starts as soon as December 4th and we get this season done with it, start looking towards offseason and the yeah. draft. Even if you're going to lose, do it a bit of pride, a bit of dignity, and hopefully... You're going to lose, do it in fashion. Make it look sexy. Yeah, give us something that you, you can at least take some positives to, to build upon. There isn't many right now, but um, if you are still listening after one of the worst games I've watched, not for the first time this season then thank you very much for listening to this week's edition of the Turn Up For What podcast. Have a great Thanksgiving uh, when it comes to you, if you've had it already or you're on your way to meet your loved ones. Have a good one. Don't let this team ruin your life too much because they don't deserve you. 